0: Hey, this is Coach Cimarroni for Blood Time. Um, we want to uh, really thank the people at Anchor and encourage you if you are starting your own podcast or currently using uh, another platform in your podcast to uh, try Anchor. Anchor is a terrific platform. We're very very pleased with their performance and their technology as well as uh, their support. So uh, give it a try. Anchor is a great platform great uh, technology and platform, and we're pleased that uh, they are uh, one of our great uh, partners at Blood Time. Thanks for listening, and uh, continue to support us as we will support you with great stories. Thank you. Blood Time. A podcast that speaks to the bond, the emotion between coach and athlete at the interscholastic and intercollegiate level. Each interview, each segment, will reveal that bond and what was learned, how they were transformed, and what each athlete took to the world at large from that transformation. These stories will warm your heart and astound you all together. Submitted for your approval, now it is blood time. Welcome to Blood Time. This is Coach Cimaroni. I'm here today with Barry Broom, president of the Sacramento Economics Council and former John Carroll wrestler. I had the opportunity back in the day to coach him, and since then, we've been good friends. Barry, thank you so much for being on our show. Happy to be here, Coach. Awesome, man. How you doing? Everything good out in Sacramento? Oh, yeah. Everything's great. I'm down in the Bay Area today in Silicon Valley. I've been
1: meeting with some venture capital groups on some new technologies we're developing, but
0: life's good. All things are going well. Family good? Family's good. Yeah. You know, my wife, Beth, you know, she's a Absolutely. My brother, John, coaches at uh, Lakewood St. Ed's and Jimmy coaches at Illinois, so Yep. You know, we got a wrestler's mentality here in California. I love it. I love it. We'll give my best to your wife and your children. And I want to get right into what blood time means, Barry. Blood time really is not just the blood time that we have in our sport when you get hurt, but blood time here means the bond between the high school or collegiate athlete and their coach. And I know that you had a great experience in high school being the first state champ from West Jeff right right outside of Columbus, Ohio. And I know that you had a pretty good uh, opportunity to, to coach at John Carroll and have a good relationship and experience there with not only the coaches but also the, the guys that you bonded with on the team. But tell me a little bit about what those relationships meant at the high school and college level and how those transformed you and then what did you do to take that into the real world? Yeah, you know, my, uh, my high school wrestling coach, yeah, it was
1: really, really interesting because his name is Roger Branham. Yep. He just retired. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think his son won a big school state title at uh, Galloway westland uh, His brother Mike was the second state champ at West Jeff. Yep. And Roger and his brothers all wrestled at Ohio State under Casey. Wow. So, uh, you know, Roger was a much more low key guy and he was a disciplinarian. Yep. And, uh, you know, when he came in, uh, and, you know, West Jefferson, uh, you know my freshman year at west jefferson was the first year we had a high school wrestling
0: program i did not so know I, that but that's 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 fascinating
1: yeah so mm-hmm. i was actually the team captain at our first match my wow. freshman year because i had wrestled two years in the youth program at bishop reedy sure. with the old man Dealy and the De sabato so i was the only guy that knew what a single leg was right so uh, i immediately got appointed captain my first match gotcha and uh yeah, and Roger was, you know, he was a disciplinarian, a teacher, you know, we were all blue-collar kids, west side of Columbus, right? and a little rough on the edges, and he was a guy that really focused on, you know, discipline on the mat and off, and he did a couple of, uh, you yeah, know, he was, he was somebody that did a lot for me, I probably haven't thanked him enough in my life, but he was the type of guy that would champion you without you knowing it, yeah. and So when I went into my senior year and we started talking, you know, back in those days, uh, you know, you had to be the district champ to make it to the state tournament. Sometimes you ran into, you know, another state champ and got beat. So even though I was placing in the top three in the districts, I wasn't qualifying for St. John's Arena. So I had to win it to get in. We went into my senior year and he was like, you know, I, I said, coach, I said, you know, do you think I can win a state title? He said, yeah, I I do, but you got to train differently. And, you know, he was one of those old-school coaches. So, you you know, know, he started being my training partner. So I had a 26-year-old former Big Ten coach, a Big Ten wrestler, training with me full time. And as you know, back in the old days in 79, those guys were going
0: full blow. You know, you're getting bloody noses and fat lips. And I can't you tell know. you how many times I bit my lip. I mean, I had to have like a a dentist snip part of my lip. I'm uh, no part of my tongue because I bit it. And I was when I was coaching in Reynoldsburg. So I know what you're talking about, man. We went at it. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, he'd
1: bring in uh, you know, his brother, Jerry, uh, who uh, was an alternate on the 76 Olympic team. I would yeah. train with Joe East. you got to be a wrestling buff to remember
0: Joe, but he was a two-time Ohio State champ. Out of Grove uh, City, right, or Groveport, yeah, which one? Grove way? City, right. Yep. Yeah, and the badges pending. You know, one of our John Carroll guys. Right. So, so, you know, he was really hard on
1: me, pushed me really hard, was really physical. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, when I won the state championship, yeah, you know, one of the things that he said to me after I won it is we were on our way home and he goes, "I know you're going to throw a party." He goes, "But tomorrow morning, make sure everyone's talking about you being a state champ, not having a party that got out of control." Yeah. And and uh, you know, he didn't let us use foul language. You know, we had to call him Mr. Branham or Coach Branham. Right. And you know, if if you said a bad, I always joke, if you said a curse word, He would make you run 10 laps. Sure. And uh, after my freshman year, I was like a cross-country runner. (laughs) I I have 150 laps after practice because he'd keep track of every time he said a bad word. And one of the things he did for me that was really amazing, and I don't know if his mother and I was in coordination, but you know, I was like a second tier division one candidate. You know, I was getting recruited by the Max Schools. Right. And you know, there wasn't that much difference between John Carroll at that time and a Mid American conference team. Uh
0: mm-hmm. and you know, we held our own against the second tier Big Ten teams. You remember that? Hey, absolutely. We I remember uh, I remember Gallagher giving Anglum everything he could handle. I think he may have beat him. Yeah. So yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. No question. Yeah, Dan Danny Stephanson beat Joe Azevedo. Right. I mean, uh, before I started at Carroll, you
1: know, they tied Lehigh in a dual meet when Lehigh was top five in the country. Well,
0: Hay- Haywald tied uh, Frick, who was a national champion. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, I remember they that very well. Stanford and beat him to death when
1: they were ranked in the top twenty in the US. So he comes in one day and and I'm getting all these people recruiting me. And he comes in one day and he hands me the John Carroll. A guide, and he says, "Look, you know, you're a good student, right? And I like this program, and I think this is really where you should go." And he explained to me why he thought I should go to John Carroll. Mm -hmm. And then my mom started pushing me to go to John Carroll. But one of the thing, one of the things that he did that I never thanked him for was, he wrote. You know, all of a sudden I had 100, 150 colleges contacting me. He wrote letters to every one of those colleges. He got on the phone and called them directly about me and he never told me he did that so one day i was in the office like the principal's office just talking to him and i caught my name on a letter i looked down and i mean it was like 50 to 100 letters in a stack wow my coach had typed up a letter about me to each one of these coaches and at no point in time did he ever say hey i'm gonna really work hard to get you recruited so he's somebody
0: that you know i have a lot of respect for and gratitude for and um your you first—that was your first lesson in true humanity, and yeah, what coaching and, and is and all the about. Of it, you sure. Know, that
1: He, he was he, you know, because sometimes you know, coaches are funny. You know, you win a state title. You know, they're odd about getting you recruited. There were a lot of program people back then. You know, they right. wanted the program to be well known. They weren't necessarily so sure they wanted the athlete to be well known. And and he really—not uh, only did he get me recruited across the country teach me the right things but he also was instrumental in me choosing john carroll which uh, worked out
0: yes that's that's great because i tell you what that's true love uh there's no question about it whether he was tough on you or or what that that love came through in those letters and how much he really cared about you with true you know anonymity he did it uh, anonymously and yeah Yeah. If I wouldn't have been in the principal's office. So I suddenly thought I was, you know, Lee Kemp, you know, I'm getting phone
1: calls all over the country. And, uh, you know, I immediately just thought, wow, you know, I've been found out. I'm this amazing athlete. And then I went into the principal's office on an unrelated matter. And I saw these letters where my coach was sending them out and making follow up phone calls and was putting packets together on, you know, my
0: uh, academic
1: standing. I was senior class president, all that stuff. And I and he never once said anything to me. You know, when you're a kid, you're kind of weird. It was awkward. I never said
0: anything to him. So, right.
1: uh, you know, but that that's the kind of guy he was. He ended up having a really successful high school wrestling career as a coach. Yep. Uh, his family, you know, they had uh, three, three state champs in the family, and uh, he's just a great guy.
0: Now that's a beautiful story. So as you transition from that beautiful story, tell us a little bit about the John Carroll experience and how that may have transformed you into the man you are today.
1: Yeah, well, John Carroll was the most transformative experience for me uh, because, you know, if you were, you know, uh, Ohio is very different all around the state. So I was a blue collar guy. You know, my my parents had eighth grade education. Mm-hmm. You know, I was a teamster at
2: 16.
1: Wow. You know, so I didn't have the St. Ignatius. St.
0: Joe's, you know, Padua High School path to Carroll. Late Catholic, even Mayfield Heights type of mentality, sure. Right. Mm -hmm. Brother Rice
1: out of Detroit, you know, he would get people out of Canavan and Central Catholic in Pittsburgh. So, you know, I went to a school where, you know, the vast majority of the kids came out of, you know, uh, Catholic schools or prep schools. And, you know, they were much more oriented to what it was like to go to John Carroll than I was. Right, and you know, I rolled in. Uh, I think with a T. You know, I think when I got recruited,
0: I had a, a T-shirt that said Schlitz. <laughs> uh, well, we were both a little odd because I came from Beechwood, which clearly was not definitely the situation at John Carroll. So, right, I, I had you. a I had a Jimi Hendrix Afro. I love it. You know, the, yeah. the stuff that Coach DiCarlo really loved. <laughs> <laughs> you were so, definitely his poster boy, right? <laughs>
2: yeah, yeah, I was. I think one of the things that I did
0: most for Coach DiCarlo was agitating uh, yeah. and kept him in a semi-agitated state. Yeah, and the fame—it's the famous Mustang story, correct?
1: Oh, oh yeah! Oh my God! <laughs> so the yeah, so the great thing, yeah. So like you know, and so when I was in college, you know, college or high school kids would do weird stuff, right? Right. So I had like a, a Billy Jack black hat, and right. I had this leather fringed jacket, <laughs> and we were traveling to Pennsylvania, I think to wrestle like Clarion. Oh my. And, and, uh, you know, I show up with like a leather moccasin boots with this fringe coat on and a Billy Jack hat. And I step on the bus and, you know, DiCardo had you traveling in a blazer, khakis and a collared shirt. Right out
0: of St. Ignatius playbook. No question about it. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So I got on the bus bus, and coach looked at me and he goes, yeah, that's not going to (laughs) work. Grabbed awesome. me by the hand, yes. walked me into the athletic dorm or the athletic department, took me down in the basement and found these, you know, nineteen sixty four JCU wrestling blue blazers, found one that fit me, dumped the jacket, dumped the hat. Oh my You God. know, put on this he you know, found a John Kurell sweater, made me change shirts, walked me back on the bus and dropped me on it yep. and took me there. And it was probably the first time I really uh, was around uh, a coach in a program that was first class. Right. You know, uh, yeah. the one thing about Coach DiCarlo,
0: everything he did was first class. No doubt. Uh, he could have yeah, been a CEO a, of a major corporation. No question yeah, about it.
1: No, yeah. no question. I mean, our wrestling room was better than Ohio State's. Yep. So you know, he had we had better facilities at John Carroll than really all the Max schools, with the exception of maybe Miami. And most of, and probably half the Division One programs, you know. Well,
0: he set up the archetypical program in regards to the coaching staff, because he really wasn't that great of a technician. But boy, he brought in great technicians and let them do their job, and he was just the guy. He was the CEO. Yeah, he was
1: the he was a program coach. He, He built the brand. He built the reputation. Right. And you know, we, you know, like if you look, think of a small college team that has like 55 wrestlers on their team. You Amazing. know, he would we would be three or four deep in each weight and and the key thing, you know, he he was the first business person I met and you know, you could watch everything he did. You know, he was a he was an excellent father, he was an excellent husband. He took his responsibility at John Carroll very seriously, how you handled yourself off the mat, how you handled yourself at the class. If you did something goofy on a Saturday night, you can bet you know Monday morning you were going to be in his office trying to explain to him what you were doing on a Saturday night. Right. You know, and that was including the off season. Right. And uh, and I knew all that because I would spend a lot of time in his office on Mondays. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I, and, get and, uh, I get that. I get that. And as yeah, and, and as he, and as he progressed, obviously he went on to be the football and athletic football coach, athletic director, and then of course. The entire complex is named after him. So you can't you cannot hit it more on the head there, Barry.
1: Yeah, and look at the guys that he coached. Yes. You know, they're all running the NFL.
0: Yes, exactly right. It's amazing. Yeah
1: somebody, yeah, somebody should have done a deeper story on that. Because here's a guy, in, and you know he had 100% graduation rate all the years that he wrestled. Yes. He had 100% graduation rate for the kids that wrestled for him four years. And I won't mention the guy's name, but you may know this. There was a Carol wrestler that was a multiple All-American national champ. That was a couple credit, couple classes short of his degree. Yes. And and DiCarlo would not let him in the Hall of Fame
0: until he finished it. I don't know if you know that story or not. I but, do. I do. I had the opportunity to chat with Kerry Volkman about that. So yeah, uh, yeah. So this guy's like, why am I not in the Hall of Fame? And DeCardo's like, because you're a couple. I mean, guys like forty-five years old. Right. And Go DiCarlo's get your degree. Like, if you, yeah. If you don't take the two classes, that's your business.
1: But you're not going to be in the Hall of Fame. And I think those were those were the kind of things that you learned from him. That I mean, I mean, I, I can tell you right now, I still use everything he taught me today to be successful right now. I mean, I'm yeah. I'm winning today because
0: of things uh, Tony DiCarlo taught me. Hey, this is Coach Cimarroni for Cimarroni Couture. We have a Christmas, Hanukkah, New Year's special that we'd love to present to you guys. Buy one suit at 10.95 or higher and get one at 50% off now until January 2nd. Or buy one entry-level suit at $7.95 and get a shirt for free. Check us out at Cimarroni Couture. That's Cimarroni Couture, 216 216- 287 1522,
1: 216 287 1522. I'm winning today because of things uh, Tony DiCarlo taught
0: me. Tell me about that. I know that you're dealing with all the top people in, in Northern California, and I'm sure around the state. Uh, you've got, uh, I, I, I'm not sure, is Kevin Johnson still the mayor of Sacramento, but I think yeah. he is. So I'm sure you're dealing yeah, with him. Yeah, so he's no longer the mayor, but okay. you know, I you know I get a chance to occasionally interface with Gavin Newsom, you know. Oh, I Gavin, with, yes, great, Grav, and then he's got a high profile right now. Yeah, and I work with most of, a lot of
1: the VCs in Silicon Valley. I have forty-three CEOs uh-huh. that are on my board, you know, and sure. those guys, you know, four or five of them are billionaires, and they're great guys. But you know, like, uh, Coach, you know, the thing that Coach DiCarlo had was he had an ongoing standard you know and the standard never dropped so there was a certain you know if you look at our program i mean i probably missed and all in all honesty i may have missed one practice in 4 years right and as, and as you know he didn't give us time off
0: no and we, that was that was a that wasn't a a rare story that was that was the that was the norm
1: yeah you know so
2: as was, so that was
0: that was what was expected right yeah. yeah yeah so you practice 7 days a week so if you had a match on saturday
1: you, know, you were still practicing on Sunday. There were no days off. Right. You know, he had a no drinking band, and you didn't do it. Right. And uh, he kind of knew when to let us be kids, so if he went to Florida, he'd lift the drinking band a couple of days and let us have a good
0: time. Yeah, there were some but, fun stories down there. I remember coming back, driving you guys back, and getting off out of the bus into the, um, into the gym. He rolls out the mat at 7 o'clock in the morning after driving all night long, and we had a practice.
1: Yeah, and, and that's what it was. So what happens yep. is people go into life, right? Mm-hmm. They have malleable standards. So maybe they don't always do the right things, they back off, they don't always push for excellence. Right. And you know, I think being under uh, Tony DiCarlo, having that every single day, every single match, every single class, every time you traveled, every time you stood up, every time you sat down, you were a Carol wrestler and he had those expectations and as you know when you're 19 20 years old you don't appreciate that at all right because you know coach has his
0: foot in your ass all the time exactly but, or on your neck or both yeah or on you
1: your neck. right yeah so i so i tell, so i'm gonna tell you two stories
0: about coach that i think are really important okay
1: so we were going and we were wrestling um in western pennsylvania you know and we used to get in them damn cold vans Great. right and you know, leave at 6 in the morning and drive four hours to get matches with the Western PA teams, whether it was a, you know, a Pitt Johnstown or whether it was a Slippery Rock, somebody like that. You know, the kind of Division I AA team. Sometimes it was small college like Teal and Allegheny. Right. And so we were uh, we were traveling to, to wrestle um, about four hours into Pennsylvania. Yep. And we had an honor weigh-in. Do you remember those?
0: Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Okay. Yep. So the trainer...
1: The coach and the assistant coach would watch you weigh in.
0: Right.
1: So it was about six in the morning to weigh in. And then when you got to weigh in, you, know, you could go grab something at Denny's or whatever, get on the road, and you could eat a little bit and let it digest. And if you had a match at one or three or whatever, you know, you didn't have to suffer a four hour bus ride you know 10 degree weather right. all sucked out right so we go on so we go in the way in right the gym it's the gym is turned off you know it's freezing in the gym right. it's freezing in the locker room and you strip down and i get on the scale and i might have been an eighth of the pound over right and it was six in the morning so i was like 158 Eighth of a pound. Yep. There was even some dispute on whether you know, it was one of those deals where the yep. bar was just touching the top of the weight. Yep. And I look at him and he looks at me and I'm standing there, right? You're exhaling. Yes. You know, you're doing everything you can. <laughs> standing
0: in on your head of, whenever you can. <laughs> yeah, whatever
1: it is. And he looks right. at me and he goes, uh, I think you're over. Yes. And I said, coach, it's an eighth of a pound. Yes. I said, it's six in the morning on a Sunday. The gym's twenty five degrees cause we weren't in school yet. Right. And I said, Are you kidding me? Right. And he said, Yeah, get on your stuff and run. Yep. So I oh. get off this scale. The gym's you know, you can see your breath in the gym. Right. Right. You're yeah. sucking weight. Right. It's an honor weigh in. Yep. I put on sweats and everything. And I run for 45 minutes before I break a sweat, right? Right. And then after I break a sweat, then I run for another 15 minutes because the worst thing you do is put wet clothes back on when it's 25 degrees. Right. And go in and take my stuff off and make weight and be a half or three quarters a pound under. Yep. I'll never forget that because
0: sure.
1: it, it wouldn't have been cheating, I think, to give me an eighth of a pound. But right. you didn't make weight and an eighth of a pound meant an eighth of a pound. And he made me run that off, and I always remember that, you know, from an ethics standpoint. On,
0: you know, it was an honor weigh-in, and you know, he honored the sport. He honored the sport, there, pro- he yeah, honored they, the sport were- Barry. He honored yeah. the sport. The sport was not big. We were not bigger than the sport. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah, yeah. He was so he was, you know, he was a great. Guy. And the other thing he did, you know, when you when you wrestled for him, mm. you know, you know, and this would be considered harsh today. And I'll tell you one more story than then sure. talk some more about it. You know,
0: it, he used to have a saying, you produce or I reduce. Do you remember right. that saying? Yes, absolutely. Absolutely.
1: But, you know, he, did all, he was really good to us. I mean, he helped us find summer jobs. If you were struggling with financial aid, you know, if you needed help with academics, he'd send you a tutor or he'd go talk to a priest for you. You yes. know, so we always had... Uh, you know, we always had, you know, I worked in the steel mills, you know, he gets right. you in the mills, you know, good summer jobs, you needed to save money to go through school.
0: And, you know, he was always a, a, a really good champion of you as a person always in your corner. Oh, he was, he was always in your corner,
1: Right. you know, but that doesn't mean he wasn't going to be hard on your hold you completely accountable at every second of the way, but he was going to be in your corner. So um, when I graduated from college, and I got my first corporate job, and I worked four years in the Fortune 500 world right out of college, Mm -hmm. I got sent to one of those, you know, executive training programs. And there was about 60 of us there all like 22, 23 years old. And they gave us the old, you know, look to the left, look to the right. Only one of you is going to survive this. So they told us at this training center that in six months we're dropping 40 of you and we're only going to keep 20 of you with the company. Right. So we go through this little day training and everything's great. And then afterwards, you know, we went to a bar to have a drink before dinner. And I go to this bar to have a drink, you know, in a perfectly good mood. And all these guys got these long faces. Right. And I walked up to him. I was like, hey, what's wrong with you, man? Yeah. And he goes, didn't you hear what he said? And I went, no. What did he say? Like, what was it that made you upset? Right. He said they're only going to keep twenty of us, and there's sixty of us here. They're going to get four. They're going to get rid of forty of us. And I can remember thinking, well, I'm one of the twenty, so I guess I'll just have a drink, you know. Exactly. It didn't dawn on me. Right. It didn't dawn on me that I was going to be one of the forty. I never even thought for a second yep. I wasn't going to stick. But that was also how DiCarlo did things. You know, it was like, hey. Yeah, you'd come back a returning conference champ, win the national Catholic. He'd go out and get a two-time state runner-up from Illinois in your weight and drop him right in on you. Absolutely. And, and it used to, you know, upset you. Like, hey, you know, I'm a, I'm the returning starter. You know, right. I had a good year, and you went out and go. You went out and recruited, you know, and what was in those days, you know, coach got anybody, anybody that took second or third in the state in Ohio, you know, they were on their way to John Carroll. Sure. And, you know, if they came out of Mentor, you know, they were pretty tough kids. No doubt. And you'd, you'd show up and there'd be, you know, you, you know, two freshmen that won 40 matches in high school and, you know, one transfer in that was, you know, sure. one third matches division two. And he'd put it in your weight and you'd start the season with five or six guys in your weight and you'd have to
0: wrestle off and wrestle off and wrestle off and wrestle off Hey, I had I a I had to referee the Viviani uh, Marty Joseph match. That was not pretty. And John yeah. John Viviani was not happy. Or Viano yeah. was not happy. Yeah. So Yeah, John it, was it 15 and 1. Right. Right. I mean, how many guys are 15 and one, and they're not in the lineup? Exactly. And then Marty takes second in the nation, so it proved, yeah, you know, right. proved so to Carlo what, out. That's the way it worked
1: back in those days, you know. And we had guys, you know, um, I can't remember the kid from Bayville, Del Kreps. Sure. He was tough as nails. He couldn't get in the lineup at John Carroll. He transfers to Ohio State, places in the Big Ten, and I think he was a captain at Ohio State.
0: Yes, he was. Absolutely. Yeah, he was a great
1: kid too, yeah. and a real success story. And probably would have won a couple of national titles at Carroll. He was that good, but. That was kind of the way it was. We I remember we had a kid that transferred in, uh, who was a junior college all-American. He couldn't make the weight. He went to Washington State and you know qualified for the uh, Division One Nationals sure. uh, coming out of the out of the Pac-10. So he stacked those weights deep, created tons of competition, right. had very intense expectations,
0: Absolutely. and. Well, you, you you used to didn't you wrestle off John Gramuglia all the time? I think I yeah, roughly a few yeah, of those matches. And, yeah, absolutely. Hall of Famer yeah, from Wadsworth. Yeah, a lot of good a lot of good and Grahamuglia was a coach on the team too. So, right. I haven't busted Grimuglia's chops in a long time, but you know, <laughs> Well, I'm, was, I'm sure you'll he hear was, this. <laughs>
1: he was a senior and I was a freshman and I'll just say some of the tips that coach gramuglia gave me will stay in the locker room.
0: Having said all that, so now you're out in the I mean, deep into the corporate world. Now, when you walk into a corporate structure like a boardroom, um, what is that? What do you feel like? Because I've I've interviewed other guys, and they say that they know that they're a wrestler, and that just gives them always a leg up.
1: Yeah, I always, you know, I you know, the one thing that even now, like people people describe me as a wrestler. This mm-hmm. deep into my career, this this you know long away 35 years 34 years since the last time you know I competed at Carroll and and the big thing that I think wrestling does for me is you know the the level of preparation right that I take into a room is unbelievable I'm I'm always the most prepared person in the room right and then I think the mindset because you know if you think about a big match right so you know I lost uh in criteria, back you know they didn't let us go into o- double overtime. Right. If you remember, I lost in criteria and overtime in the quarterfinals of the nationals, sure which do. kept me from being an all-American. I sure do
0: remember that. I was coaching. Yeah. That. I coached that yeah. match. Yep. Yeah, yep. you did coach that match, yep. and then you know I lost by a point. So I I had
1: a criteria loss my junior year and lost by a point my senior year both times keeping me from being two-time all-americans there's actually and you know and to be honest with you that still motivates me today right. I mean it's not like my kids tease me and say I think you're hung up but I'm really not hung up I just reflect on on how f- simple and close you know you know you know hand control right uh, right you know you didn't step deep enough on your shot you know right. you didn't quite follow through enough well that's the difference between you being a two-time all-american and not an all-american at all right and so that is always something that's in my mind so when i go into a boardroom i'm the most prepared and i'm also the most confident i mean i think the other thing too Mm -hmm. is you know when you're sitting in between those matches and big tournaments and you got two or three hours you know, how do you talk to yourself in those two or three hours? Right. Yeah. You know, what is the tape that's playing in your head? And when I've got like a board meeting, I have four board meetings a year with forty CEOs. I walk into those board meetings like I'm in the finals of the nationals every time.
0: Gotcha. That's that's beautiful. That's a
1: beautiful. Yeah. Level day. of preparation, and then when I go in, I you know I always you know bring the
0: swag. You sure. Know? Absolutely. No question about it. Well, Barry. It has been a fantastic conversation. I, I really appreciate and, and, and thankful that you're able to do this. the The one thing that I want to uh, leave the audience with is one word or thought or philosophy that really resonated with you since literally the first day, of John Carroll, to today. What what would that be?
1: Integrity. Always mm-hmm. operate with integrity. You, you know, it's, it's I always tell people, and I've developed a lot of young talents. You've even developed several CEOs I always tell people if you outwork everybody you know and you outwork them with integrity success is guaranteed it's just a matter of time it's just a matter of time and you know the one thing you can never come back from if you think about all the talented people in the world right you know it's, it's it's nearly impossible to come back from Violating or losing your integrity, you can run a company into the ground. You can blow a big deal. You can take a loss. You can even get fired, and come back from that honorably,
0: as long as you didn't compromise your integrity. That is a beautiful sentiment. I am so pleased that that was the the message you left us with, Barry. I want to thank you so much. Continued success. It has been my honor to have you as a friend for these thirty five plus years continued success in Sacramento and in California and uh, look forward to talking to you again. But thanks again, Barry. Hey,
1: coach, thanks for everything you did for me too. And all the kids at Carroll and what you've
0: done at Beachwood and what you're doing now. I really appreciate it. It's been my honor, Barry. Thanks again. We'll talk soon. Okay, Pete. Thanks. This is blood time. We are blood. I leave you with this thought of the day. Arrogance is born in the shadows and walks with fear. Confidence is of light and brings love, self-love to the world.
2: Hey there and welcome to the Joy of Paddle podcast hosted by me, Minterdile a veteran of the paddle tennis world and sponsored by Paddle 1969. Whether you're a paddle tennis aficionado, just beginning or have never even heard of paddle or padel as it's called in North America, this is an exhilarating new show that delves into the captivating stories of notable paddle personalities worldwide. In its inaugural season, you'll be treated to exclusive anecdotes, valuable tips, life lessons and humorous moments shared by esteemed professional paddle players